The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with Greg Smith and Jay Foreman. Tell it to me straight up. Hello. Welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity <coughs> Network. I am Greg Smith, your too many Reese Cup eating, so I had to run on a treadmill this morning, friends. <laughs> I am Jay Foreman, your newly uh, crowned Peloton brother. Uh, just made the purchase, so... Uh, I am into the Peloton cult or, or crew now. I don't <laughs> know how long right. that's going to last, but that that is me, your your uh, co-host. If, if I have a heart attack on the, after the first workout, I will be a deceased co-host. All right. Okay, I was going to say, well, you have somebody call me for pushing you into this. <laughs> um, you said it right the first time. It is a cult. Um, those of you that are listening that have a Peloton or know somebody that has one, um, you definitely understand that. I, it's I'm like very a, it's excited like a snobby for you cult, to though. See. It's like a snobby cult because it it – it's it's quite the price tag, yeah. And, and you and you're up in the Swiss Alps and doing all this stuff. And so, did you get okay? So, which one? What did you get? I got the 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 older model because they're coming out with a new one. And yeah, they got the the bike pl- the bike plus is coming yeah. out with the swivel yeah. screen and all. Yeah, that. so I didn't um, get that. I went I went to. I'm a used car guy, so that's what I okay. did. So so you have the same. I have the one that you yeah. that you got. Yeah. I, I can't wait for you to get it. Yeah, you're um, gonna be waiting a little while. I'm, I, yeah, I mean, as I say, probably it's gonna be a minute. It's right? gonna be a be, be a minute, and I'm still kind of going back and forth. I lost a lot of sleep thinking about what the pain that I'll be going through trying to ride one of those. I'm things. telling you, it is. I, I say this to everyone because I I was in the same boat when I got it. Um, it's harder than you think. Oh, I know like it it's, is. It's, it's harder. Like, it really is. Um, and they have, like, low-impact rides and stuff like that for a reason. Uh, take advantage of those. But it is definitely it's definitely hard. It's just a matter. It's not only the rides that I know is going to be hard. Um, you know, because I went to a couple cycling classes, and, and I was, like, you know, broke off. Okay. Uh, you know, after the – but it's a matter of just sitting on that seat. That jams me up, man. Yeah, you can. Get, I, we ended up getting. A, oh, I gotta get the cover. Yeah, yeah I we got a cover because it's not. It, it's just uncomfortable, right? <laughs> like yeah. and they say that you get used to it or whatever. Like if you look at like the Facebook page or Reddit or something. No, I ain't getting used. But to that. no, it's yeah. just get a cover. Yeah, they ain't, you ain't breaking me in like they do them cowboys. You know, like yeah, like well, eventually, yeah, eventually you <laughs> get covered. No. Right you know now, my I mean? butt is asleep. Like yeah, I'm not. Yeah, no, no, no. None of that, none of that. But okay, I'm excited for you. I'm happy that you are a part of the cult. Uh, we, we'll talk offline about like favorite instructors, and I'll give you some some tips because <laughs> I already know some people that I throw you in the deep end. And we go ahead and get this thing cracking, and then I'll be waiting until you give me that angry phone call uh, when you finally do those classes. So, 
Today, it's interesting. We had a whole pod last week in which we previewed the Wisconsin game, and now it right. feels weird that nothing we even happened. Nothing to, <laughs> to respond well, no, to. No, what happened was that. Nebraska won 77 to nothing. It was the greatest <laughs> okay. game in Nebraska history. It should be a W, so that's the way we need to. Everybody played well. Adrian Martinez threw for 300 yards. <laughs> and Went, he ran for 120. And ran for 120. Okay. You know, three three touchdowns, two on or three touchdowns in the air, two on the ground. He went twenty four twenty five, so that way he upped the Wisconsin quarterback. And you know, not only did we then on defense, we had you know eight sacks and two picks, one for a touchdown. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's a nice. It was a nice week for Nebraska. We back, baby. Yeah, <laughs> we back. <laughs> like Texas back, or Michigan <laughs> back. Uh, yeah, which, we, we don't got the quarterback one? up there singing, talking about we back, and then hopefully we you know we can back it up by. Going and, and winning against Northwestern instead of be like uh, you know or like Texas or Michigan and go up and land. I, I saw a poll over the weekend, uh, and so I didn't think about this ahead of time. But like it's funny, which one is worse? The whole Texas is back or Michigan is back? Which one of those is worse to you? Let's break that down because we get both each year. Like every well, year I think, we get them both. I think Texas because when and this was two years ago. I think after they beat Georgia, and it was an impressive Sugar Bowl. Was it? Yeah, and it was an impressive win. Um, and the fact that Texas and Texas alone, as far as their ability to recruit, never it's it's just a plethora of athletes, size, weight, speed, guys that are ready made, and they just can't even get over the hump. They just never can get out of their own way. Right. I mean, they're still up there going neck and neck, going into overtime against Texas Tech and stuff like that. I think it's worse because any glimpse of doing anything well, um, they really believe they're back. Michigan just says it just because they, you know. But also, that, Michigan has been, but Michigan has been better than Texas. Over. They've been. If, it's funny. I think that Michigan has been better than people think give they their, have, or give them credit. They give for. them credit right. for. Um, but the problem is, is and it's a just, big problem, is they cannot beat Ohio State, right. and they struggle with Michigan State as well. You saw right. them lose to Mel Tucker and the boys this weekend. Um, but the, but the, I think the losses against Ohio State, and there's been a couple bad ones in there too. Overshadows I think, everything. Yeah, it made, and then it they had the everything. they had the special teams mishap against Michigan State at home. I think it was a night game or it turned oh, into punt an, on the punt. Yeah. So they they've lost some games and lost obviously rivalry games and just getting they've been embarrassed when the, and and it's hard because. Where Michigan was before Harbaugh got there is definitely in a better place. They just haven't even take they they're not even close to getting over that hump to competing with Ohio State. Which is the, except which is, for except for I will say this: two years ago, I think they beat Ohio State. I think it was home cooking when oh, they gave up the J, when they the the J T Barrett on that fourth yeah. and one. He didn't even look close. So and people forget that because in the next year they just yeah, blew them the last out. or the next two years they blew them out. They blew them out and. It's hard for people to understand when you have like I think they had like twelve guys drafted. Yeah, I was to say I don't think that I, I don't think people realize that. Yeah. I didn't know that until every a year they weeks get a ago. ton of guys drafted. LSU had the most guys drafted right. last year. Michigan, I believe, had the second most guys drafted from a school last year. Right, which and is then crazy. they can, and even before they've always put guys in the league, and you can't beat Ohio State, which people are forgetting. Ohio State are they're just not doing the mass numbers like ten or twelve. Mm-hmm. They're going six. Okay, we'll do eight. But they also we'll be, they'll do six or eight, and, and they'll be a two top, or three yeah. of them will be the yeah. top ten picks. Yeah, too. be top ten picks. <laughs> right. So, um, you know it. And then plus, when they have they had better, they've always had better quarterback play. That's the biggest thing that's mm-hmm. plagued Michigan. Whereas when you look at Texas, they have a legit quarterback. 
they have legit skill players and linemen. They just have bad coaching, bad culture. I think it's a little bit of a hangover. They can't get out of their own way. So I think it's worse when they say it because they're not as close as they think they are, and they should be closer, especially yeah, in the Big given 12. The conference, yeah, given in the Big conference, 12, they yeah. should be more dominant. Whereas Michigan is saying it after just one victory, which they, you know, they were pretty impressive against Minnesota, and Michigan State was not impressive when they lost to Rutgers and went out there in, in just in a matter of week, just a matter of a week uh, in college football. They looked like a totally different team. Looked uninspired. Defense looked and 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 I like their I like their defensive coordinator. I, was say, I like Don Brown. And yeah, and I like the way things he's well, done. So um, yeah. they just didn't look good. But you know what? To be honest with you, when you look back at that Minnesota game, some of the things that Michigan State was able to do, Minnesota did a little bit, but just not on that scale. Right. As far as in they in Michigan has always had good system court cornerbacks, not like to the level of Ohio State where you're having a guy going number three, and then the guy that was supposed to go, you, you know, late in the you know in the second round ends up you know Don't going into the first the round and end up performing just as well so you had two guys go you know top 20 um their defensive backs aren't as good as they they have been I think they're very young um and they they don't have that one dominant defense alignment uh this year uh, you know up front where you know you had a Gary and all these other guys they got a couple guys that are here and there um and their defensive backs are a little bit struggling because their pass rush isn't up there to the snuff and they can't blitz as much because the guys can't cover down in the back. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that kind of goes from here. First of all, one of the things I think we can safely say so far, um, well, in all of college football, but in particular in the Big Ten, is that we're gearing up for a crazy year. And it's yeah. going to be funny because it's going to be all sorts of, in my opinion, like all sorts of crazy games and results and upsets except for with Ohio State. Right. Like, you'll see, like, I right. think that they're going to steamroll through what they, they're going to do what they do. They did it again this weekend against yeah. Penn State. Um, it was, if you're a Nebraska fan, I actually think you should be even more encouraged that Justin Fields, what, incompleted four passes right. against Penn State. So it's not like he was any different than he was against it Nebraska. Gets better against a better um, overall defense, Yeah, he got yeah. better against a better opponent. Um which I think is – and going back and re-watching some of that Ohio State-Nebraska game, I was even more impressed with Justin Fields because I think that – and kind of less harsh on the Nebraska defensive game plan because I think what Nebraska was hoping for is that eventually he would make a mistake or make the wrong decision, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. Like, and not only that, all of his passes were on point because I'm watching – um what I was joking about on Twitter about because I was well, I was joking but I was serious. I woke up excited for that Iowa Northwestern game. Right. That was my game of the day. <laughs> um, I was fired up and I came, I feel like I needed help after saying that. People were sending me tweets saying I needed an intervention. Um, but I was ready for that game because it was a game that was going to show you a lot about both of those teams. But it was funny watching them and seeing like regular quarterbacks play. Yeah. yeah <laughs> versus yeah. what we saw the week before in Justin Fields, uh, where they're actually those guys you know were missing open receivers. And all of that stuff, but it ended up being a pretty good game too. That you know, Northwestern makes that nice comeback after being down seventeen nothing. Uh, where I would continues to do this weird thing, and it's really it's been consistent through Ferentz's time there, where they just get too conservative sometimes, and their offense just disappears for long stretches. Right. They of go games. three and out quick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, where they get, you know, two yards on three rushes right. and yeah, the they, defense is back out there. But the problem, I think, for Iowa this year, and it'll be interesting to see it play out through the season, is they don't have those erasers anymore. Like, so Epinesa is yeah. gone on that defense to completely change the game for them. Um, they're not as explosive on offense this year either. So that will be, and, you know, Nate Stanley was a guy that wasn't, like he wasn't a superstar, but he, but was he wasn't perfect bad. Iowa he was a perfect Iowa quarterback. Because, yeah, and he, he was, was like – 
good. He was good. <laughs> just a, a he solid was, good. Right. He and he's he probably did more uh things that went unnoticed as far as, you know, getting him in and out of place, being on rhythm, uh, and also playing well at times for sort not long stretches, but good stretches to where the defense could, you know, play off of that and then they could take over, then he could because he'd always have always have that one game or two in the middle of the season where like he looked Dude, you look like you should be at Division Three. Right. But then he would come back the next week and play well. And he was a starter for three years. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of reps, a lot of, like, Ferentz was showing up at the stadium comfortable with him. Yeah. Everybody else was. So the guys that were graduating and coming in and building themselves up, you had one guy that you knew that was the quarterback. So you're transitioning from a, a, a new leader on the offensive side of the ball and your team, and then also you don't have your eraser on defense because – with that, with uh, AJ on defensive side, he not only was somebody you had to game plan for. If you watched Iowa last year, every big moment he did it in Nebraska. Yeah, it, he yeah, did it last there. year on the road at Northwestern. He he could be like y'all were wait. You're waiting for him because he had the first round grade. You're waiting for him to dominate, and he would do some stuff. He might he might blow up a couple pulling guards and the you know other linebackers and make the play right. So that's a play that like when I look, I, that looks like a play that I grade just as high as him getting a tackle for loss. Right. But when it came down to making the play or making a play, every game last year that when they Iowa needed a play from the defense, he made the play. And if when they don't have that, that kind of messes up your whole dynamics of your team yep. because he was, he answered the bell every single time. And so until somebody develops like into that into that role, um, you know, they're going to struggle. Then you don't have, you know, the big, you know, mountain mover on, on at the left left tackle <laughs> yeah, where works. you know if you needed two yards you know you could pretty much run left and run zone you can run power there and he's going to blow a hole in your defense so um you know they're they're in a transition year and usually what people are used to is Iowa pulling out those games Northwestern is kind of like Iowa they were you know record wise they were down last year so you knew that they were going to really come back this year and play well uh, their offense looks explosive. You know, Ramsey, their quarterback, is pretty decent. You know, I think he's a little bit better than people thought. And, you know, they seem to always have a good running back, you know, like a guy that yeah. can make things happen. You know, Jackson is out still at San Diego doing work. Yeah, I watched him. Player, yeah. He's a good player. Um, obviously, Nebraska, you know, almost had him. And then you got the, the guy they now have now is just like almost a replica. So I think their offensive line has always been underrated. I think their defensive line has always been underrated because they all kind of like look the same. It's, it's, it's just yeah, like every it's year they look the same. Them. Yeah, and I was I actually texted a friend of mine that both teams in a lot of ways now right. Iowa like we were saying missing a couple of those like big time players. Um, they just have to develop that and right. get back to that. I'm sure eventually. But both teams, Iowa Northwestern. If if I put on that game this year, or if I put that game yeah, on three four, years yeah, or four years thing. ago, it feels like the same thing. And that's right. actually, and that's not even a, that's not a knock on them. That's it's a actually a compliment. What they do, yeah, because they just continue to be able to replicate their system and what year they in and year do. out. Yeah. And that's what you want. And really, to be honest with, you, that's what a lot of Nebraska fans are wanting as well. Which is, you know, year to year, you want to see guys in the uniform that's going to look the same. You know what you get because I think those two teams more than any other in the top half of the Big Ten. So when you talk about – I talk about the top half, you think of like Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, whoever else, Iowa and Wisconsin, and then still in that top half when you're thinking Iowa and Northwestern, and in this case also Purdue, when they pull up to each stadium, whether, you know, 
they look in the mirror and they know that they're a six, they're happy with that six. You know right. what I'm saying? And so they're going to play that level and they're going to try to get you to play ugly or play their type of ball. And that's how you see that they're able to compete and then also up, upset some teams because they play their brand of football. They develop their players. Um, everybody's there for one common purpose and one one uh, reason. And let's face it, Northwestern, as much as they've kind of pumped some money into their football program, still isn't to the level of where Wisconsin and Nebraska and Iowa is facility-wise. You know what right. I'm saying? Like overall, yeah. Overall. Well, and then with the academics, it's a little bit harder to recruit. So they have to do things differently, but they f- they fell in love with it. You know what I'm saying? And with Fitzgerald there, you know, he's a homegrown guy. He knows what it takes to win there. Um, and has done some really good things there and developed some players. So they're, they're always going to be a tough out. But what's also good, too, about what each of those teams can do, and it also is, and this is exactly what Nebraska is trying to do, is that when you, when you have success like that, like repeatedly with the same types of players, what you can do is, is you can go to the next guy and recruit them because right. you have examples yeah. of somebody that we did this with. So if you're going, this, this is happening, there's a, a, a big-time kid in Iowa, Caden Proctor, he's the 2023 um, offensive line recruit. When Iowa goes to recruit him, they'll say, hey, we know that you like Tristan Wirfs as a right. kid, and you saw him as a kid that's from this state. You saw him. You saw what we did with him. That's what we can do with, do with you. you. Right. Or they can pick another offensive lineman that right. they've had that with, right? And so when you start to um, – Northwestern can do that with uh, with inside linebackers. Sure. Patty Fisher was here for 22 years. Yeah. You saw what we would – I don't know how that dude is not 42 years old. Like, I just don't know. It feels right. like Patty Fisher has been yeah. there forever. Yeah. But, like, you can do that on and on. And that's really what Nebraska has to get to, right. where they can start to tell guys on the recruiting trail where you have those examples of, you know, hey, here's um, – and actually, one of the spots that is – I think maybe starting at is running back sure. because you already have the great running back tradition at Nebraska. Right. And obviously Ryan Held is very familiar with that. But then you can also say, huh, we got Divino Zigbo. He was yeah. here when we got here. We made him into – help make him into an NFL back. back. Dedrick Mills came right after that. We're going to get him to be an NFL back, you know, provided right. – I think, I think he is going to be an NFL back. And then you can start to build that up. It just takes – it also takes time. It does take time. Because one of the things that – those three programs that we mentioned, Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin, one of the things that they all kind of have in common too is that continuity. They've been sure. doing those that program and system. They've been doing the same thing and then adding to it. Years and years. Years and years and years. And they've – look, when you look at, look at it, they've had one head coach. In in our time of really yeah. evaluating them, right? Twenty two years, Fitzgerald Fair and Ferentz, yeah. right? So, um, and then I, you know, obviously Brom staying there when he's at other, and I'm bringing Purdue in here is is giving them stability because his personality is seeping down into his players and his program. And and I saw it when they played Ohio State that time, and they were you know lifting weights at the you know day of the game, right? And, and getting in there and getting after it. And when you think about uh, Fitzgerald and what he's done at at Northwestern. And what I wouldn't say is concern for Nebraska, but also you got to go into this game not thinking, all right, you know, this is the same old, you know, Northwestern. And compared to what he's done, you know, what Nebraska's done as far as, you know, when we talk about developing players or or positions when you're going out on the recruiting trail. So it started out just as linebackers, right? Then you've seen Dean Lowry coming. And I'll tell you, when Dean Lowry played against Nebraska, he looked like Howie Long. His whole draft tape was against Nebraska, right? Because right? I think Dylan Utter is still having nightmares of being bent over backwards by Dean, by Dean Lowry. Yeah. So then now, then also you're starting to see some offensive linemen get drafted. Now late. Yep. So now you're starting to see 
some sort of kind of like um, Nebraska the old days. It's not just one position. Now you're starting to see two and three going there. So how is that compared to Nebraska is, and I'll take it, Iowa, for example, you know, with Noah Fant being a first-round pick and, and Hawkinson being a first-round pick, now look at the guy that they got there now that's going to – I don't know if he's going to be a first-round pick, yeah, but he's going to be drafted. Good, yeah. So back in the day, it was just – Iowa was just offensive linemen and then the underrated defensive linemen like Mike Daniels and uh, Adrian Claiborne and all those guys, you know, real technical the guys, right? I think guys that will go maybe late. You've had great ways from linebacker, right. like some guys like just that, out of, yeah. And then you throw in your Dallas Clark that was like a stupid athlete and yeah. Kittle that, you know, they look like they're 215 and they beef them up to 230 and they can run. Right. But I'm talking about Iowa was primarily offensive line. Yeah. But now you're starting to add different positions. And when I said it a couple of years ago, once Iowa starts getting some speed on the outside, mm-hmm. we in trouble. Which is what is starting to, starting happen, to happen, and it's, it's it's bad timing for them and bad move for him. Uh, Smith reset. I think the wide receiver, their best wide receiver, actually got arrested over the weekend, right. uh, operating while intoxicated, and he's like sp- suspended indefinitely, which is going to be a huge blow. for Yeah, because he's the guy that well, that's he hurt the guy us, that yeah he, he hurt us last year. year. Um, he was the big. He's you know he stretches the the defense, um, and and it, conversely, when we're talking about Northwestern coming up this week. Once Northwestern can get some skill position, that's players that are legit. Uh, defensive defensive side of the ball, I think they do well because they know to play in that system, so they never get out of position. You know what I'm saying? So you don't necessarily, you know, they're not going to have like a first round, you know, pick, you know, like like Ohio State with Wade and all those guys. They're, but they're going to have good system players that eventually maybe get drafted, right? Right. What they're trying to morph into is to have position players or skill players on the offensive side of the ball to be more explosive because that's always kind of been Northwestern's Achilles heel. They're always going to be in the game because they play good defense and special teams. Yeah, and they, they're so fundamentally sound that they're not right. beating themselves. Right, and the offensive line will be good, but if you, they just don't have any, like, speed or guys out there in the mm-hmm. threats. It's usually always, like, a little slot because if you I think two years ago when Nebraska lost to them 34-31, it was like the little <laughs> – the one guy had 200 yards. He was like oh, a little well, slot I receiver. Know. I blocked that kid's name out, right. but I know what you're talking but he, about. And, yeah. and he, he just killed Nebraska, <laughs> right? So they don't have anybody on the outside as of yet. Now this year they have a little bit of a running game and kind of like a little – you know, I call him a little water bug in the, in the slot. So what Nebraska has to do – uh, as far as when you start to think about the game, they're they're going to have to try to control the line of scrimmage. And it's going to be a tall task because Ohio State is probably the biggest task as far as showing up to a game and winning a physical battle. Mm-hmm. Northwestern is going to be there, um, maybe not as physically as far as like being as as strong and stuff like that, but they're a veteran group, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They've got they've played a lot of games together, so even though they weren't up to snuff last year. They're better this year, and you can see it when you watch them play. So from a technical standpoint and testing your fundamentals and then also with a young defensive line, I mean, because let's face it, you got Ty Robinson and, and Casey Rogers, who are, to, I, in my opinion, are the should be starting along with Daniels, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Steely's in there. So, okay, so be it. But you got two guys that hadn't played much going against guys that have played a lot. Right. right? So there's going to be things that they know how to do as an offensive line, to these little tricks of the trade. So what's going to happen is are you going to get out of your, you know, your technique to try to make a play because you got beat a couple times or can you stay the course? And so um, that's a big test for them. And then the defensive line of Northwestern is always going to be strong. They're always going to be physical. They're going to be in shape and they're going to play hard and they're going to run to the ball. Yep. 
and they're gonna the lanes are gonna be filled. I don't um, where we're gonna have to beat them is we're gonna have to try to establish some sort of running game from the running back. You know what I'm saying? For, what, and this and this is being and here's why is because the way that you kind of have to attack Northwestern is you got to attack their strength, which is going to be like their seven. You know their the front, their front seven, their second level. Because if you can get them with play action passes, you can soften that middle up. That's when you can get Wandell Robinson in, in there, and he's a matchup problem no matter who he's going against. Right. Because on the outside, we just haven't seen it. Obviously, with only one game, a development to stretch the field and be more of a threat. So if you can kind of Work. I always call it work back, right? Whereas you set up and, and attack their strength, it's going to make their outside weaker. So then the outside can actually start to get, you know, a little bit of breathing room to get off press coverage and to be more of a threat. Because if you can get guys to run routes that they know, i.e. Omar Manning or anybody else, to get out there and kind of not strike fear, but make hey, them, look, make them think. But make them think. Be like, because because I, I know the Ohio State guys. When those guys were running out there, like, man, I can cover this dude. With my backpedal. Go ahead and cover somebody else. Right. And if you catch a five yard hitch, okay, so be it. Right. We need some guys out there that are able to, you know, break a tackle, get some yards after catch. But we can't do that until we get a legit running back running game and establish some sort of uh, physicality at the line of scrimmage. To then that which obviously will set up the quarterback run game and the play action. But we won't be able to win this game trying to run the quarterbacks the whole time. And they're in the running backs, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight carries, and have McCaffrey or Martinez or both in there with that type of game plan. Yeah, what what's to me, and it's funny that Ohio State, like you said, is is the is the tallest task, both physically and just skill wise. Yeah, uh, from a physicality standpoint, and just trying to match their skill. But Northwestern is like the other teams we've done, like Iowa, like Wisconsin, Michigan is kind of like this too, where you're and it's the opposite. It's the exact opposite of what Nebraska has been recently. Is a high level of execution to yes, you, right? Yes. And so, and especially against Northwestern, is uh, Wisconsin's athletes are usually a little bit better um, than Northwestern's are. But the problem is, is that they're so fundamentally sound, and they force Nebraska to really play in a way that they don't yeah. want to play. Yeah, right? they, they make and you that play. they're not comfortable playing. Nebraska right. wants to splash play you and be able to make the big play and get these chunk yards. But what Northwestern's defense is so good at, and they've always been good at this, is taking those away and making you earn it. So right. make you have to sustain that Drives. seven, eight, nine play yep. drive. Whereas if you play the odds against Nebraska from the last few years, play the odds. Nebraska's not going to be able to go seven to ten plays right. on a drive because they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. We saw it again against this, Ohio this past State. week yeah. against Ohio State. Then it's even more magnified when you play against them because you just have such a small window uh, for yeah. error, right? And so that's what I'm curious on. Where has Nebraska grown when it comes to doing those little things, staying on schedule, not missing tackles yeah. on the defense side? And I think they did a better job of that against Ohio State. But those are the things because I think that Nebraska has more athletes than Northwestern. And Always it's not has. Some, like, breaking statement or controversial right. anything like that. But it's going to come down to if Nebraska can play with good fundamentals and technique and do the little thing and hold up on the line of scrimmage, they can win the football game. It's just – It's not going to be the way you had, want it. Yeah, it might be, be ugly. It may it's not be 24 be. to 14 right. at best. Like right. that might that might be the situation. And you got to be but, you got to be okay with that. Yeah, but that actually – if that happens, if we come back here next week and we're talking about a 24-14 Nebraska victory, I'm telling you now, I will say that I'm very impressed, impressed. With, yep. with that because that to me – 
shows me as much growth as if they go out and win 50 to 10. Like, I think either way is a, is, is a step in the right direction because, hey, Nebraska just needs wins. wins so right. either any way that they get them. But some sort of low-scoring defensive game victory right. would not be a bad thing. Like, Nebraska, that's something that they can build off of that I think would show – a different type of growth in the program. It doesn't have to be, okay, you go from losing to blowing people out. Like, right. it doesn't have to necessarily be that, um, especially given the way that they've played and some of the struggles that they've had um, right. going forward. But one of the things, too – I want to make mention of a, a matchup specifically that I'm looking forward to. We were talking about Northwestern's offensive line. They do have a veteran group in four of the spots. One of the spots that's starting left tackle uh. is actually a true freshman. Did you notice that? Yeah. Peter Skoronsky is <laughs> something that it sounds like a Northwestern right. offensive lineman. Yeah. Sorry, Peter, but you do. Um, it, it, and it's, it's rare that a true freshman would be exactly. starting at Northwestern. Never, it, it hardly um, ever happens. Yeah, you just don't see that for Pat Fitzgerald team. So they, him going against Ty Robinson on right. that on that line will be a really fun matchup um, to get to see and one that we could probably end up seeing for years to come. Right, at least matchup. for the next two. Yeah. Yeah, so, it, I mean, that's going to be, uh, you know, a good they're, – they're right around the same age, and I think that uh, Ty Robinson, you know, obviously with the confidence that he should have took taken – from the Ohio State game is going to hopefully pay off against Northwestern. The difference between – I was thinking about when you were saying this, the difference between Ohio State game and Northwestern or playing a team like Ohio State versus Northwestern, Ohio State makes you play perfect – you have to play the perfect game to beat them where, where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like if you think back when Purdue beat them or Iowa. Everything has to – got to play perfect and sound. And you've got to have somebody, like, go off. Like you got to have somebody, yeah, you gotta have somebody <laughs> go smooth, berserk, yeah. right? Like a yeah. career game, which essentially is, is the reason why he's got – Rondell Moore is getting drafted right. is that game. So you need that. Where Northwestern makes you do, they make you play almost a perfect game from a physical standpoint and, more importantly, from a mental standpoint. Can you – because they feel like in their typical, you know, Pat Fitzgerald being from Chicago, Chicago type of mentality yourself, like, I think I can fight longer than you. Yep. Can How long can you stay in the fight? And it's hard for teams like Nebraska. Nebraska's not the only team, but obviously plays Northwestern a lot more than, say, like, even like UCF or teams like like, like a Memphis, right, yeah. is that they want to win the game 60-59. to 59. Right. That's fun to them, right? Or – 45 37 that's what they want to do or 50 you know six to 45 what they want those type of they want to go up and down the field and whoever has the ball last and gets a two-point conversion and somebody turns it over and we get an onside kick and kick a field goal we win well that's hard because if that's how you want to win that's probably how you practice and the difference between us and where we want to be is we want to be multiple right? right so Ohio State has no problem playing against them because that's the way they're built. They'll play. They, you you want to get in a track meet or yeah, you want to get in a slugfest? Yeah, they can play any. Yeah, right, they can play anywhere. Yeah. And so they can go in all four corners of the United States and play in any conference. Yep. That's where Nebraska wants to get, get to. We haven't got there yet. It's a big test for us as much as us physically. It's just mentally and how we've matured as a program. Can our game plan set up on offense, defense, and special teams to win a game like that? Because really, when then also when you start peeling back the onion, right, against Northwestern and Nebraska, and this is even back to Mike Riley, even when Bo Pelini was here, is that we've always struggled in the four minutes. Mm-hmm. Four minutes going into halftime, coming out, and finishing the game. Yep. Those are the things. It, it, it's, it's weird because a lot of times coming out, we're good. Getting towards halftime, kind of stub our toe, start slow. All right, wake up a little bit. And then it comes down to, you know, really – crunch time 
Not cutting time. I know yeah, that's yeah not cutting time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we end up kind of, you know, falling on our face. And that's where Northwestern wants to get you. They want to slow you down enough to where you make a mistake and then they take advantage of it and then the, then the pressure, you know, gets on you and then they get it back and then they somehow find a way to win the game at the very end. That's the way that he's built that program. That's why you see him when they went like 3-8 and eight last year. They, you know, they're kind of like Iowa. They can go three and eight one year. Oh, Kurt Ferentz is ready to get fired. And then next round they go 10 and one or 10 Because and they believe that they're always going to come out of the other side of that. Yeah. Whether it's and they've in, done it, whether, Yeah, whether yeah. it's within a one game, like right. this last weekend when they were, Northwestern was down by 17, and they said, okay, we're just going to hang in here, keep chopping wood, and we'll eventually come back. And they did. Or it's bigger picture where you go three and eight, and then you think, oh, we'll bounce back because we've right. been here before and we can figure this out. Right. Um, it's just a different level of resolve, and that's also something that you have to start to see Nebraska have. Exactly. And it starts with in-game. So it, it sure. starts with, you know, and this thing that and I think everybody kind of feels this way watching this program right now. When a bad thing happens to Nebraska, it feels like it's the beginning of the end for them and that right. that snowball is going to start um, in games. They have to stop that. If you can stop that, and the way that you do that is you just have those things go the other way, and then you have that confidence. Because we've talked about this now a few times on the podcast, is that the thing that we would give Nebraska, if we could just give them one attribute, it would just be confidence. confidence. Yeah. And it would, just, it would help them so much. And part of it, it's hard to get because they just haven't been able to come through the other and, side because they've had so much losing and so many bad things that bad, have, yeah, that have had happened over the last <laughs> few years. They've been snake bit, man. Right. They, they like it the does Greg, feel hey, like that. they like the Greg Norman of the Big Ten. But what really, if, if, if for us, our followers out there, so if, again, retweet, subscribe, follow, and, and definitely push. If somebody out there could come up with with this thing, and, and I'm gonna say this right now, so hopefully this gives me a little bit of legal rights. If the, if, if somebody's already hadn't done it, is come up with some sort of analytic of a bounce back percentage, okay. uh, you know, bounce back percentage for this team because I know it's low. It might even be in the negative, and a bounce back percentage could be as simple as once we have a drive that stops on offense, right? Let's just talk about the offense. Is like coming out, you know, of the TV timeout, delay a game. What do we do the next drive? Can we get a, you know, what is the percentage that we get one or two first downs? Because it's not about scoring. Right. It's about can you stop the, the snowball right. from turning into an avalanche? Right. And then on defense, if we get a pass interference or offsides, when, how long does it take us to really start to play the type of defense that we played at the beginning of the game? Right. Or, you know what I'm saying? How many, how many times after giving up one explosive play do we give up another one in the next series? Or if we can really break it down, i.e. against Ohio State, how many times do we give up the same type of explosive play? The skinny post to Olive, right? Yep. Or the deep over route. How many times? Because that's what you got to do. That's the really the maturity start. That, and that's adjustments. That's coaching. But then really what it comes down to, it's teamwork. Because if me and you are playing linebacker, right, and, and Coach Rude is over there, and he's, we got you know, a big old playbook. Right, he's on the sideline. Everything that he's done to get us is prepared is done Monday through Saturday or Monday through Friday. So when we're out there on Saturday, it's Jay and Greg that we have to figure it out. And if we're getting beat on a trap play and we practice it one way, and it's just I'm not having a good day, but the only way that I can survive this game and us not to get destroyed on this trap play or or power play is that me and you make an adjustment that will in turn raise our bounce back percentage to obviously out of the negative, but to a more realistic, you know, percentage that up to our abilities to win the game. That's what we have to do because I'm going to tell you like this. I'm going to tell you guys this 
coaches really don't care how you get it done. Just get it done. Right. We can talk about it later. Right. Like, talk, like, I'm going to tell you that one of the best things I've ever seen where, where Bill Parcells was talking about Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor. And they were playing, I think it was the either, at this time I think it was the St. Louis Cardinals or I think they were playing Detroit Lions. And they put in this blitz. And Lawrence Taylor kept messing it up. But they changed the name of the blitz and the name of the defense because he had two sacks and a and two strip strip uh, sacks forced fumbles and somebody and they scored one off. One of them it. was a touchdown. Yeah, one was a touchdown. Yeah. So like you know what? Obviously, whatever he's doing is working because he knew one thing: it was wide open. He came in destroying the quarterback. So we have to get to that point to where we got have to have more football players and guys that are invested. And I think we're getting there because you see when you see Casey Rogers and you see a Ty Robinson and some of the other younger guys making legit impacts and stuff like that. Uh, it's going to be interesting if they can play, you know, more than one game good and then add on that to add on to that. I think they will. When you start to see guys like that, the, it, you know, it's, it's, it's moving in the right direction, but we need it to move faster and you need more football players, not guys that are so invested in social media and all that stuff. I mean, I'm not even going to say who's a rapper now, you know, <laughs> I mean, he just go ahead. Just, he, and he's not representing Eden Bray to the fine, to the fullest see? at all. <laughs> But I'm just saying you need more guys that are invested because as much as we want to blame the coaches, and, they, and of course, if you're making this type of money, you're going to be looked at under a microscope yep. because you're making – And if you're at this program. And if you're, you're at, a program at this program. This statue, and I'm going to get a little bit to that, and I'll cut it off, is that the players have to take ownership as well because it's their, it's, it's their team, really, yeah. to be honest with you. Scott's like the CEO. Everything trickles down. But you're the guys that go out there and really show people what you've been doing in practice and what he's – ideally liking you guys to do now the difference obviously as you said when you're at the university of nebraska where it's different than iowa purdue and northwestern is that the expectations are so much higher that you can live through a three and eight season or when kurt ferentz has those down years when he's like six and five or whatever or seven and five because really they well not really they've never won to the magnitude as Nebraska's won right right like these like these, this last stretch here for Iowa is the is best the best in their program right and they're not even right. sniffing a national right, title not even coming they're close. not sniffing right. a New Year's Day bowl game and if they do it's because they got their head beat in against Ohio State right. in in the Big Ten championship and they're going on to the Final Four and, and you, you have to you have, have to have them at the Rose yeah. Bowl so. Yeah, so that so you can do that, right? right. So because no, an organization or a, a athletic department like Northwestern is thinking like, okay, you know, Pat Fitzgerald's played here. He's made the program. He's built the program up. You know, we're going to give him not only one year but two years to turn it around because one or two injuries hurts them or should hurt them a lot more than it hurts Nebraska. Right. You know what I'm saying? But it's been conversely. Right. Whereas Northwestern has been built this thing up and they've developed players so much that they have a strategic plan. You know, for a guy. So, like, if if I'm a if I'm a junior and I'm starting, you're you're taking your redshirt year and your redshirt freshman year to develop, and then if I you know roll an ankle or something, you're redshirt sophomore and you're the guy coming right. in. And really, you know, that's the way that Nebraska used to build their program. We've got to get it back to that point. But we have such a young team, um, it, it's hurt that a little bit. But I think the expectations allow for teams like Northwestern, those guys, to kind of walk through the the muddy waters and still survive whereas nebraska and you know whether it's social media and people up in in i think a little bit is social media but also i think it's because of the fan base the younger ones only thing they know is average right. you know nine wins that's i mean that's average 
I mean, when you're I at mean, a, if, you, if, you, if you're at a big program, that's average. Yeah, I mean, when you're I, taking the non the non con and yeah, know. when you're taking a non con, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's hard, but it, at Nebraska, it shouldn't be hard. Now, if you're at Illinois and you start and you were winning mm-hmm. that much, I mean, that's dude, you're, they got yeah, the stat, stat, they yeah, got yeah, statue. Yeah, build that statue of Levy. Yeah, Nebraska, that's that's average, right? You know, so um, the the fan base, the younger fan base, that's all they know. And you know what I'm saying right now? And I know college football, the landscape has changed, but that's all they know. And that's all I was ever known. I mean, the right, thing which that you, is why if you go, if you have that 11-win season at Iowa, it buys you another five years. It buys you another – in a new contract. <laughs> right. And, oh, I might go take the Jacksonville Jaguars job. Right. So I don't know who he knows down in Jacksonville, what he's got going on <laughs> he down has, there. Somebody he on got that, some pictures uh, of somebody down yeah. there because he's been up for that job three times and got three contract extensions and survived a scandal, 20-year uh, you know, racism scandal. With, without even having to really have a press conference. He gave a – and then COVID helped out as well. Yeah, probably, only because he, he didn't did have to go out in, yeah, front of, yeah. in front of people. I did still, I still Took think a couple that classes. there's going to be more to come off of that Iowa scandal, only because I, I just can't believe that we're going to come out of that whole thing and just, ha- just have the strength coach get fired. No, I, what I think will happen it, it is, just, is, it, is Ferris will never get fired. He'll, he'll retire out of nowhere. It'll yeah. be like the guy at Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. Just very similar situation. Right, just like, on, just, just, just like on a Monday. You look up and you get a press and release. Press <laughs> release. Like, hold up. Is this a, is this a spoof account? Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things that'll, that'll happen out of nowhere. Um, but I don't think it'll be happening anytime soon because he's operating as uh Yeah, if they make it through, yeah, it'll, it'll be just and fine. Then, and if they start winning? Yeah, then it, it's even. The more yeah. Iowa wins the less that this voice that they have down there with that what, $20 million yeah. lawsuit, it kind of d- dissipates and kind of goes away. The less they win and, like, uh, start looking, gonna get- then you're going to have a guy coming, hey, man, you know you got an 11 o'clock meeting with who? Yeah. Oh, yeah, here comes three three, three of the chancellors. Hey, man, you know, we got we, we to start, start talking about your buyout. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But, hey, every week, we haven't done this yet. We did a lot of good preview there. Every week we kind of get into what we call our Coach Speak segment. Coach Speak to Real Talk. Where we give you something that somebody said uh, in the sporting world, and then we tell them what you what they really meant. We've talked a lot about uh, rivalries. There was a big right. rivalry in the NFL this weekend. One of my favorite ones: the Ravens and the Steelers. Uh, where the Steelers had another victory, where they won twenty eight to twenty four. Kind of took down the wonder kid, Lamar Jackson. Lamar, <laughs> my man, had four turnovers. Yeah, a little sophomore uh, slump, in this man. Game. Yeah, and so Mike Tomlin, the, the coach of Pittsburgh Steelers, who I believe is underrated and needs more love, uh, said this after the game. He said, "We were talking about." Lamar Jackson. We respect him, but we do not fear him. We're not surprised by anything that transpired. Ooh. Ooh. What, what did he really mean by that? He respects him because he's a great athlete and he's done some good things, but they've seen things on tape that they knew that was they, that they made to come true. That's well, what really what they're telling you, what he, really what they're saying is, is like everybody else is playing scared of him because, you know, he can run the RPO and all this other stuff, but he's really not that good. Yeah, what he's like, really saying is, you know what? We respect him because he's out here. He's you respect. I'm gonna tell you one thing. You respect every single NFL player out there. I don't care if it's the number one pick or a guy that just came from Meatloaf State. You respect him because they're there. But there's some guys you go against, and you're like, man, you know what? That dude ain't that good. Or maybe and sometimes it, I think it's a couple things too. I think one, the rivalry. I think it makes you want to say stuff like that. But also. Um, Sometimes you just match up well with people. Match up well. Right, and sometimes you're what but he you said do he, defensively, but, man, the way that he no, said that, because oh, the way that people – and, and people uh, talk about Pat Mahomes in a lot the same way, too, right. where, like, it's kind of a fear out there, and he's playing great right. um, so far this year, but there's a fear 
that goes beyond that respect. But I think that that can sometimes paralyze you a little bit out there because it can also – that gets into your mind. Right. Then you're thinking, oh, okay, here we go again. He's going to make this play. But if you yeah. go out there thinking, hey, man, hey, that's just another dude. Like, hey, it's like Carl Malone said about you. Michael Jordan. He's like, I got set too. <laughs> but I'm just telling you what he's saying. He's saying he's not that good and we fear it. We, we, we respect him, but we ain't fearing him. But he really is saying – and I know Mike Tomlin. I know exactly what he's saying. And he's, not, and he's telling his team – this dude isn't that good, and we really, we we deserve to win, and we're going to dominate him. But what he's also doing is planting that seed for the next time they play. Yeah, because you know the you know it's the same thing with Pat Mahomes. You can it, the worst thing you could do is go out there and play in fear. We saw it against Ohio State. Right. Our guys, if you go out there and play in fear, you, you, you're it, it, football players are like wolves or whatever, where you can sense fear. So if you go out there and play it. Pittsburgh ain't scared of nobody. Pittsburgh go down to Kansas City right now today. They just played yesterday, go there. They ain't going to be scared of nobody. Right. And I think that that's – but that's a key thing, though. That's confidence, right? Yeah, that's One confidence. of the things that we were talking about in Nebraska needs more of. You need to know no matter if we're playing Lamar Jackson, who um, is out here doing things at the quarterback position that we haven't seen in a while, or, or the same, things, same thing with Mahomes, whoever, whichever guy is out there, we have confidence that we're going to do what we, we do. We do. And we're going to go out there and we're going to play him straight up and see where it falls. See where it right? falls. And, and then when you're coming off a game where not only did you beat him, when you create four turnovers off of him, you're like, him. okay, yeah. we can we can really do this thing. And so it'll be a thing where, like, this is kind of his – not his introduction to the rivalry because he played them, obviously, last before year. last yeah. year. Um, but it's kind of one of those ebb and flow things. So he's going to have to figure that out. Otherwise, we're going to look up eight years from now and he'll be, you know, one in, t- one in 12 against yeah. them or something like and that's that. Where, and really, and be really to be honest, with you, you've seen like Lamar Jackson, you know, he, he had talked about, you know, certain te- Kansas City being his kryptonite. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Well, you can't worry about Kansas City till you get through Pittsburgh. Right. And I'm telling you that Pittsburgh is a place, it's an organization um, that people should try to replicate in real life and business. Because their leadership is outstanding. Yeah, you're talking and about culture. You're talking, talking about, about culture. That a lot that's here, it. Like that's and, <laughs> and Mike Tomlin, and they've made some hard decisions. They got rid of a Hall of Fame receiver. Um, the owner went down there and said, "Man, can we salvage this? All right, we got to make a decision." Right. And uh, and Mike Tomlin embodies that. Um, and that, and this is and I feel ha- I'm happy for Mike Tomlin because you know people are like, "Oh, should he get fired?" And all this other stuff. The only person that's ever won more is Chuck Knoll. Right. And, and you think Bill Cowher was just there? Right. And uh, Mike Tomlin, not only any what he does, he doesn't give false confidence. You know, I'd like to be in there every day uh, and and see how he's you know getting with his players because they're taking a lot of guys that are rookies and, and young guys and having them play in hard yeah, positions. Yeah, they do a good job of getting and, those and guys developing ready, and getting right them ready right. to play. And the standard is the standard, but they're playing with such confidence that you know it's coming from not only Mike Tomlin but their position coaches. And I, I'm sitting back and thinking now. Um, about when Terry Bradshaw, oh, Mike Tomlin's not a good coach. He's like a motivator. Right. Oh, I, I, we, look, we know where that came from, where the t- undertones are, but that's the dumbest thing you could say. This dude's winning games. Right. You know a what I'm lot saying? of games. A lot of games. And you're up here trying to tell all he can do is motivate somebody. And they say the same thing about Mike Singletary, but uh, Mike Tomlin has those guys ready to play. Pittsburgh's this type of team, and we just talked about Northwestern, that they're going to bounce back when they have a, a bad year for them, which was like 8-8, eight and eight, you know. Right. Now they're back for real. Ben, ben uh, Roethlisberger's playing. Still a little rusty, but playing at a high level, getting, you know, distributing the ball all over the place. And once their offense is going with that defense, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be legit. And they just made a big trade for Avery Williams, Williamson 
after uh, or from the Jets and uh, traded for him right after the, the Jets played the Chiefs yesterday. So, and he's a you know Pro Bowl type of linebacker. So now they've got the 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 whole lot left by Bush. They got a veteran player that's going to step in there and be ready to play. So you know, one thing that that has come up. You mentioned the, the trade, and actually, I wanted to take us in that direction. Um, for a second, because it's a little off the beaten path, but it made me think of something else. We had a conversation kind of on a conference call with, with our staff just about all of the different trading now that's happening in the NFL, and it feels right. like it's been increased. But one of the things that I've always wondered about on that is, have you ever seen a situation or even been in this spot where somebody gets traded and then the family doesn't come along with them? Right. Sometimes. So, like, does that happen, like, where, like, okay, Kids I get traded to Green Bay – and I, we just don't want to go. Oh, the player don't go? No, no, not the player. Oh, the, the family. The, like the wife and the kids say, okay, we're going to stay back. Sometimes. And then you go and do your sometimes. thing. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. And you'd be looking at them sideways like, what, what's going on? But, yeah, cause but like, if you got kids in school, um, you know, and stuff like that, it's hard, man. It's hard because then also you got to look at how many years you got left on your contract because you can get traded and realistically only going to be there for that season. Right. And there's only – you know, eight games left and kids are in school. You're kind of set back and that's where you've kind of made your home. And if you're longer, you know, you're longer tenured, that's might where you're going to settle after you got done playing football. Right. So there's no reason to up and sell the house. Now, generally you think everybody would go. So it kind of, the family dynamics is, is different. Now, right. but it's I'm going to tell you this, there, there's some guys, you know, we had a guy that came over we signed him as a free agent though. Um, and he came from the saints and we had, he was, we played together for, Two years, yeah, because I was down there for four, we, in, uh, and I was in Houston. I think I might have saw his wife twice, and that was at the Christmas party. <laughs> so it does she happen. Never came, when, she stayed. She was down in Atlanta. So it does happen. Yeah. Then when okay, even in free agency, even a free guy agency. like I sign, and I, I keep thinking Green Bay because Green Bay is the worst. Like I, I sign in Green Bay, right? But my wife is like, man, you know what? I wanted to live down in Key West. I just want to stay down there. That does happen where people it, just say, it okay, does, but not not much. <laughs> okay, you got the question: Why you want to stay in Key West? Because really, the season is short, and Green Bay doesn't keep guys up there the whole off season. And like I said, a lot of it has to deal with the situation of the contract. And when you get traded, it just depends. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like Avery Williamson going up to Pittsburgh. I mean, if he's married or anything like that, he knows that Bush is coming back next year. Right. Chances of him being there after, you know, this year is probably slim to none. He's coming in there. He's going to play the rest of the season. And I don't know how many years he has left on the contract. Then he's got to go from there unless they're going to have him start at the other inside position. So, um, you know, some guys, you know, know that they're getting traded. They get signed to extension. Then their family's gonna come, but there's sometimes like you see. I mean, it's unique, man. Yeah, but and and that's what I was thinking because it, there's all sorts of different situations. So like, your dad gets traded to the Bills, right? You're not like you. You and your family might not be itching to get there, and it might not even be because of the city. It might out like you were yeah. saying to be because, of and they the might just come. They might come, they might like, come like only for home season. games, yeah. You know, and 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 go back and forth, and you just battle through it, and that's the way it goes because you're in school and you just come in for the weekend. Because also you got to think. If you got like kids, wife, and all that, you know you gone all day. Right, you at the facility. You at anyway. the facility, anyways. Yeah. And so if they come in on the weekends, you get to see them more. And then they come to the game, and then next thing you know, you you know, Monday's like a half a day, Tuesday's off. You're missing school. You know what I mean? If you got right. kids in high school, if they're playing sports, I mean, some of these, you know, some of these guys have had families since they've been 18 years old. You know, or kids since they've been 18 years old. So it's a little bit different. You do see some unique situations and and, and different stuff like that. 
Um, but you know, if people have had families or they're, they're from, you know, say like, you know, you married somebody that you met in college and you're from say like Minnesota, Iowa city or whatever, and you got a house there, you know what I'm saying? And you're from there. What's the point of even coming or moving? And what I mean by that, there's a difference. A lot of people will just come for the season. Right. Are there more people than we realize then that just live in places? For the guy, I never really thought depends. about that. Just live there for the season, just and then depends. you live somewhere else. Just depends. It season. just depends. Depends on what the city is. Just, it depends on the city, and depends on you know how much you're making, or you know where you're at in your career. Yeah. If if you if I'm a first round pick, you're gonna buy a house. You know you're there for five years. It's guaranteed. Right. You know, and or you know first, second, third. If you're a guy that's on a one year contract, you're living in an apartment or whatever mm-hmm. until the season. You finding out what's going on. And if you're from whatever place, then you're going back there until you, you know, call back for the offseason program. So it's a lot different. It depends on the situation. Like when I was in Buffalo, um, you know, as soon as the season was over, I was heading back to Minneapolis. Uh-huh. I mean, car packed and everything. My cousin used to come. We'd roll through, roll through Chicago, spend the night <laughs> in Chicago, and, and hit it the next day. Now, as I started to get older and start to play better and start to make a little bit more money, I might keep my apartment because I know I'm going to be back there and be training. Right. Right. Um, then when you're down in Houston, that's a great city. You know, it's all it's good weather year round. Then, you know, I signed my contract down there. And then so you're living there year round. Um, one is because you can train at the facility Two, right. you like the city. And I, you know, started to make a name for myself. But then, at you know, once I left Houston and I kind of knew I could see the, you know, the light at the end of the tuddle, tunnel or the lights about to be turned off at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> right. that the career is about to be over, that it's, you know, I was just there for the season. And then when I got there for the offseason program, you know, I knew that the team was taking care of all that stuff. And so I was, you know, in and out. And so it kind of depends. I mean, I was married at the time. So our wife would, you know, come out and, my, and uh, you know, our young, youngest or our oldest daughter, who was the only one we had, uh, was, was come out there for the season and come out for games or go back home or wherever we were staying. So it's a little bit different, man. I mean, it's just kind of depends. And that's the hard thing about NFL. It's the hard thing about coaching in college. It's all easy to get on for these people to get on Twitter. Oh, he needs to be fired or – um, in college, and, and you know, for the coaches, obviously the players, you know, are still be there because they're in scholarship or cut this person or this, but it's not doesn't just affect them; it affects yeah, everybody in the whole organization. Thing. Everybody's got to get up and move, and it's uh, it's a very unique mindset. Like once I played my first seven years, and then my last two years, where you're a hired gun, you're there to do one thing, and I was always thinking I'm here to do one thing: is put good tape on 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 or put good play on tape. You know, be on it winning. You know, obviously you want to get to the playoffs, get right. to the playoffs, and then set yourself up for another year to get obviously to get paid. But then also you're thinking about your benefits. Right. And so your mind changes. You know what I'm saying? Versus when you get to Buffalo, we were winning. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm going from winning national championships or being in the hunt to being in the playoffs, and then learning how to be a professional. Go down to Houston, and it's like a total different atmosphere. Where you know my career was taken off, but the team was just a, a new team. Right. So it's it's so much different. And the NFL is a different type of mindset. You know what I'm saying? And the bit, here's, the, here's the best example I could give you. One of my guys that I used to watch and mentored me um, just by when I talked to him a few times, his name was Henry Jones. He played at Illinois. We call him Big Bang Hank. Well, Henry was married, had two or three kids. He's a scout now, and his daughter runs track at, like, one's at uh, USC and other ones I think is going to go to Georgia, cool. you know. So he had kids. Right? He married, had two or three kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. His locker's next to mine, right? So it would go Sam Coward, 
me, the little chump rookie, where I had I had one stool. They had two, three. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? I'm up they in there. Get to put their feet hey, up I stuff. was like the middle guy, right? <laughs> right? And Henry had two lockers, right? Big yeah. Bang Hank, right? He was one of the top paid safeties. We talk all practice, all meetings, talk in the training room, talking, you know, on the plane and all that other stuff. Practice is over. He's got, you know, kids at home. You know, he's got to stop at the grocery store. He's got to, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Yeah. His Mondays and Tuesdays are different than mine. Right. You know what I'm saying? If he's going to watch tape, he's got to watch it at home. So that's a lot different. When he showed up one time, he had one of those Volvo, like, uh, kind of like station wagon hatching back. You know, he got baby seats in the back. You know, I'm rolling. <laughs> I got I got subwoofers in the back. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So it, that's the biggest difference because it's like you're here. Everybody's kind of like on the team and family. And once you leave, you kind of go off your own ways. And that's the difference. And that's what is so interesting about kind of the the other side of sports because there are so many things that happen that people you don't go, even have that go, idea. Yeah, you have no idea. And that's what I wanted to talk about that because it's just so much stuff that goes into that that goes well beyond the product that you end up seeing on Sunday. Um, and it's all so unique. Like everybody is in such a different position. So whoever was two more lockers down from right, totally was different. in a totally different right. situation. And that's what um, sets that's what the makes teams it apart. so interesting. It yeah. like a, when you th- that's why I have so much respect for even like the Patriots, the Patriot way, how they do things. Regardless if you, you know, like, you know, look at Tom Brady. He had wife and kids and there's other guys that had kids and married, you know, like Willie McGinnis and Teddy Bruschi. But they all found a way to operate within the confines of how they're doing right. it. And they and the Patriots knew how to evaluate those players to keep to adapt to what they got going on, right? Same thing with Pittsburgh, right? Yep. You can't just have a bunch of guys running out here, you know, in bar fights. You got to have to have a good mix. And they're able to do that. And that's why you see guys from all different walks of life. And what I mean by – cultures, growing up backgrounds that come in and uh, succeed at Pittsburgh, succeed at New England, succeed at the, with the Philadelphia Eagles, now the Kansas City Chiefs, and so forth and so on, is because once they walk in that door, they're welcomed. And that's why you right. see guys really play, and they and it's a tight team. You know what I'm saying? Because those guys from Pittsburgh, they hang out, and then once they know, all right, man, all right, I'm hanging out, we've been playing cards, we've been lifting weights, they all lift weights together, all right, 7 o'clock, I got to go home. Right. You know what I'm saying? Nope. Versus, you know, some teams, I guarantee you, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, if, now, if they the, don't look if, like somebody that's, that's how they're I'm going to tell you out. what, if the practice is over at 3, 3.15, you're going to see cars leaving yeah, that parking lot. peeling out the lot. Peeling out. Because <laughs> the, funny, the funny thing, I'll say this about the Dallas Cowboys, and, you always, you know, sometimes I don't really watch, like, the guys that get try to get the guys all hyped up before the game. But Alden Smith is the one that does it for the Cowboys. I'm sitting there thinking, like, this dude ain't played in five years. Yeah, that's weird. Five years. Now, he started off to almost winning. You know, he started off so hot as far as, like, yeah, production wise, yeah, yeah. he was gonna win. I was thinking he was gonna win comeback player of the year or probably defensive player of the year because he, I mean, he had like five sacks in right. two games, you know. But when you think about the Dallas Cowboys and their culture issues, and there's nothing against Alden Smith, it's great that he's able to came come back mm-hmm. from his issues. It's great that Randy Gregory's been able to come back from his issues. But you got a guy that's been out of football for five whole years, five seasons. One, it's a, it's a it's a compliment to him to be able to come yeah, back. Yeah, to be able to actually come back and play, play And play at that level. NFL, yeah, that's hard. But the fact that he is a leader on your team lets you know you have absolutely no leadership. Yeah, yeah there. nothing. There was None. a void. Somebody had to come into None. it. Yeah, that's and tough. It, and Dak Prescott was a leader on, on the offense, but now he's gone. That lets you, lets you know you have zero leadership in that locker room. Yeah, but they got Jerry. <laughs> According to Jerry, that's all they need. Yeah, but uh, we're going to go ahead and finish this up with uh, the same segment that we like to do every week, my favorite segment every week, and that's Put Them on Blast. Put Them on Blast. So 
the, the the one that I'm going to go with this week, and, I, and I, listen, I know that Kevin Warren and the Big Ten have been popular punching bags here <laughs> recently, and I'm going to add to it. Um, that was not me saying that I'm going to save them. Uh, I'm going to add to it because Nebraska, obviously, we started off talking about this, did not play last week. Uh, we gave them a victory, uh, even though they didn't get the forfeit, but that's a whole other discussion. The Big Ten actually got to see all of the talk in the in before the season actually came back about how the Big Ten kind of dropped the ball on protocols, like explaining all of that stuff, and they were so bad, like not explaining anything that was happening. And I kept thinking, okay, yeah, they're bad at this right now, um, and they need to be doing better. But once we get these games going, it's going to be okay. Like, you know, we might right. have some issues, but maybe they'll kind of change up and they'll actually start explaining adjust. stuff and they'll adjust. Or, or compromise. Right, which are great words for 2020 that the Big Ten just does not seem to understand. And that's what I don't get. If we've learned anything in this crazy year that is 2020 is that you need to remain flexible. You need to be able to compromise, adjust on the fly, do some unconventional things. And so I don't understand why the Big Ten, A, I, I, I don't fully get why they would not allow Nebraska to add that game that they wanted to add. Because if Nebraska was going to give them tests and Nebraska was going to make sure that they that um, UT Chattanooga was healthy and they had already passed that first round of testing the day that Nebraska started talking to them about that game, then okay, we know that the health risks are minimized or at least as minimized as they can be. So then the Big Ten, they get everything secured, and then the Big Ten says no. But then what did they do again? They didn't explain anything. Right. They and I don't understand no. why we're in the position, why the Big Ten is in the position where they think that they don't have to explain anything. Because they, they have this, like, parent mentality when you say, hey, man, can I go? <laughs> they do. It's not like my can mom. I, right? Can I go stay over at Johnny's house? Nope. Why, and then why just not? walk away. Yeah. Nope. Add, and the funny thing is, here, I'll even add a little bit to it. You know, it's almost like – because a little bit they said, okay, well, you, they gave Nebraska, like, a checklist, right? So it's mm-hmm. like your, your parent giving you, like, okay, you got you to mow the lawn, take out the garbage. Clean your bathroom, have your bed made, vacuum your bedroom, and everything. Right? Yeah. Then you, you, get, you the get, car. get your homework done. Then you get the car. Then you can, you know, then 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 come ask me. Yep. So you're automatically thinking, okay, well, I got, I'm doing all this. Then you go and like, oh no, no, why not? Just yeah. cause. You know, I told you two years. I had flashbacks. Right? Right? I, I, that to I've me had that conversation. <laughs> okay, just cause. Okay. So that's what they just have never. And it's just Big Ten arrogance. It's, and I think it's also it's arrogance, but it's just the way that the Big Ten has always Operate. operated, Great. right? It's I mean, like they never had anyone that they don't had want to, play to rock football. the boat. They, just let's be honest. The only reason they're playing football is because they were getting destroyed in the media. People were showing up at their front door, yeah. and then it started to turn. Like you have you you made the decision way too long, and then they probably was like you know what we did. Here, make just, it. Take this. Just, just take this. Just take this. Yeah. But we're but since we're giving you this, we're not gonna be flexible at all and it's weird because the because there's always that date i think it was or two weeks or three weeks earlier to, to come out with the same schedule with two bye weeks yeah right or and even look at the original schedule you know what i mean where you had some bye weeks i.e why supposedly the, the wisconsin players were at a wedding but you know that's here nor there we'll ask barry about can we yeah. get barry on this show I mean, if you want to talk to Barry, we could probably yeah, try. We're already pulled his Nebraska we'll card, but if he takes an interview with us, then he'll get it back. But, <laughs> but even when they came out with this the schedule that they're in now, you got eight games in eight weeks, and if and then it's like, well, we're going to take the average. I mean, the Big Ten is a Power Five conference. Really, is one of the top three conferences. Power Five conference. You can't go about business like that when you got your other two yeah. going about as business as usual rescheduling games with cancellations with stuff already built in. 
and you've already been watching them do it. Right. So it just I think it's that they reluctantly wanted to play football. Whatever reasons, I think that there's some universities that were kind of on the side of not playing football that can get some things done that Nebraska can't. And I think really also what it comes into it by with the lack of wins and in the in the also Nebraska, I would say with Ohio State kind of being on the forefront of getting us to be playing football or people thinking that or caught, you know, it's kind of like the what they say the 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 squeaky wheel always gets the, the gets noticed <laughs> or whatever, you know, and so it's really kind of rubbed them the wrong way. So you're not getting any favors. And really, you know, to be honest with Nebraska had been successful in the, la- in the well in the fa- last two years, you probably would have got a little bit more of a explanation and probably maybe got the job done. Now I'm going to tell you this, I, and it probably won't get to this point, but if Ohio state say they say they won an ugly game, I don't know, say against Purdue, mm-hmm. right? I don't even know if they're playing Purdue and Illinois can't play. And they needed a blowout victory against Illinois to get to the Final Four. Oh, they'd be playing Meat Low State. That and that's where they they will be playing Meat Low State, and all these protocols would magically go away. I'm, I'm telling. So you. curious to see if that happens. Like, and I know that a lot of Nebraska fans believe that. I but heard the more games week, that Ohio State plays, if they get to five or six games, they already there. So yeah. they could, so they already in the Big Ten championship. But I'm just saying, if Ohio State was in that position, in the position that Nebraska wanted to get in or was in, they would they would have got those games. That's for sure. Let's Ain't no see. doubt about it. I think Gene Smith is a powerful player, man. Well, the the brand is powerful because that it helps everybody if they go to the final right. four and if they do well. Um, and so that way it would be such an interest. But now the Big Ten in theory has put themselves in a the corner. They set the precedent. But I'm with you the same way that magically that 21 day situation is starting, starting to, to be change talked a little about. Bit. Right. I think that you would start to get some sort of wiggle room on that. But who right. are you putting on blast? I'm putting on blast. I'm putting your your boy Pat Forty, man. Oh. I don't know. Wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. That's not, not my your, boy. Not your boy. Yeah, okay, let me, let me make sure people boy. realize. I know what you mean, yeah, yeah, but just, I want people okay, to understand. Okay, this guy, Pat Forty. I mean, the first article, I get it, right? Because you just want to – I know you're, you're – the and, and if you don't know, he, he wrote an article about Nebraska, you know, how dare do they try to play, you know, pretty much putting Nebraska people, the Nebraska fans, Scott Frost – like, you know, we were lower-level team, and we, we we can't get past the 90s. I get it, right, because everybody was writing that. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to kind of, you know, he's probably back. You know, I think he's an East Coast guy, so he's up there, nothing to do. He needs to get his articles in. You know, he's got to have something written. So he kind of just diced up what everybody else has been saying or doing for a couple weeks and then put his name on it, right? Right. He's a basketball guy. You should be thinking about Louisville and everybody else trying to get it up, get going, right, how the, the Big Ten ACC got – canceled and you should have a problem with that never once has he written about iowa okay really hadn't had anything to say about michigan state probably kind of just glossed at the whole penn state thing is like oh man you know what i got basketball to coverage you're right penn state coach basketball right. hadn't said anything about that michigan but state. You, michigan state but you have a lot to say about a university and a coach that wants to coach football and players that want to play football and obviously, we just talked about this. Then he comes out with this other article, like, how dare Nebraska ask again? We haven't learned our they lesson. They call him a petulant child. Yeah, petulant child. Well, okay, okay, we'll be the petulant child. Okay, that's fine. You can go and give us that. We're the petulant child that's done everything that you asked us to do. And then we're just asking for what you kind of promised or what anybody would ask once you've been given tasks to do. Yeah. Right? Go find your opponent. Find them in strict, you know, obviously protocols. And come back to us. And then they pass all the tests. 
All right, that's a petulant child. In this day and time, with everything that's going <laughs> right. on, those are the kind of kids I want. Okay, everybody would sign up for them. Even the people that don't have kids, you know what? I'll adopt that petulant child. Right. Okay, then what are you, Pat Forty? Are you the scorned girlfriend that got turned down for the prom, and you're forty three years old, and you're going, and you finally run into the Brock, the high school stud that used to wear his letter jacket, and you wanted him to ask you, and he didn't ask you. He didn't know you, but he should have known you, and you haven't been able to get over it, and you're at your 25-year high school reunion, hammered out your mind, and now you're just laying it all out there. What has happened to him at Nebraska or somebody that went to Nebraska that he can't get over because something's happened. Somebody either dated a girlfriend of his or he had a bad, he had a, I'm going to tell you like this. It's like when I fly into Denver, I hate going into Denver because I've had the worst turbulence going in there. Right. So anybody at Denver, I always kind of look at them sideways. So either you had a long layover in Omaha at a, ate a bad steak and got some diarrhea at airfield, right? Right. No, no, I'm just saying. I know, I know. He bought it, Omaha steaks there and he got some diarrhea and he got home. <laughs> right. Or had a bad time down at the brass rail and had too many drinks and threw up. What, he did I, go to Missouri. Well, th- there it is. See, see, I was waiting. I was just because I mean, I just want to put that out there. I'm, I'm not gonna saying tell you I'm one thing saying, about Missouri. My brother was yeah, in Kirksville, Missouri, Missouri, in med school. Yeah, and I went through Columbia. This is no joke. I flew in there and I was driving. I saw the Columbia. I stopped at the sign. And I took a leak on the sign just because of people in Missouri. I'm gonna tell you, we played down there one time. I had four friends from college go down there. Right, yeah. three brothers and and, and one of the other guys was white. He said they have never been talked to like that before in their life. All four of them got into the scraps. So since he's from Missouri, that just you know what that that explains everything. There we go. He's not we even, some, we he's from Missouri. Was Coach Osmond calls him Missouri or Missouri? <laughs> Missouri. He calls him. He called him Missouri. Probably. He's from Missouri. He's probably, probably supposed to say Missouri. He's actually from Missouri. He's probably from like the Ozark somewhere, man. Up there in Branson, he's one of them type of dudes. He got some issues. There's an axe to grind there. There's Still. definitely an axe to grind. We got to, we're gonna get to the bottom of this. We're we, gonna we're gonna figure it out. Somebody got some pictures of him. Something. If he was at Missouri when we were there, he's got some issues. Maybe that's he, where the juicy of it is. That's yeah. that's where it started. Yeah, that's where it started. He, probably he went there during the Brad Smith years. <laughs> or Gene, yeah, he, he he yeah, right. I know, but he he's got some issues, man. Is he still mad that uh, you know that that number one team that Missouri had they lost in the in in the in the uh, round of thirty two in basketball or something like that? I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, I do got some issues. I mean, I think you speak for every Nebraska fan listening to this um, that they believe that Pat Forty has some issues. But that's a good spot to leave it for this week. We're gonna figure it out. We're gonna we're gonna figure out what and, the genesis and, of it is. And his brother from another mother. You know, I guess I, I I'll joke about it jokingly. His brother from another mother, Desmond Coward, got a little bit of COVID. I hope he's See, all right though. Don't yeah, do, petty, don't do my Pat man right Desmond now. like that. You still I'm Petty league. Pat right now because he's from Michigan. Because Michigan people still think they won a national championship. Yeah, so I'm Petty Pat right now. I'm Petty Patrick right now. That's me. Petty Petty Patrick. We might yeah. have just came up with the title of this show, but I need y'all to subscribe to this <laughs> podcast everywhere that you listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you only leave four, I'll be like Jay and think I'll be a Petty Pat um, and think that you're a hater. Make sure that you're checking out all the other podcasts on the Hale Varsity Network, Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, more to it, and the Hale Varsity Radio Show. We also have an email. You can email us your suggestions and thoughts, maybe your conspiracy theories about Pat Forty at straightupbreakdown at HaleVarsity.com. You can also find us on Twitter at GregSmithHV and at Foreman5644. We will catch you next time.